The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Join the discussion at Ping.tv slash gold. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold, and we are back here on the Dustin Gold Standard, and we had some unbelievable news over the weekend, and so I popped on uh, yesterday, I believe that was Saturday, I'm recording here Sunday night for Monday morning show, and we did a quick half hour special report, kind of a recap on where uh, we're going and what we covered over the last 15 episodes. And so an interview had come out with Jared Kushner and Richard Grinnell, who was in the Trump administration, and Jared Kushner, obviously Donald Trump's son-in-law, and really the top advisor, the most influential advisor during the Trump era. And so Jared Kushner went on this interview with Richard Grinnell, Trump's national security advisor, and he admitted to being a transhumanist. So I said, you know, I've got to pop on this weekend and just tell all of you in the audience to give yourselves a pat on the back for hanging in there with me and to pat myself on the back for being right on track with the first 15 episodes. My goal was to educate all of you on the tenets of the fourth industrial revolution and on the players, the investors, the engineers, the big thinkers, the influencers, and the money men behind the technocratic thirst for immortality. And so we started out with Ray Kurzweil, one of the architects of the modern technocracy, one of the big thought leaders in this space, who is probably one of the most vocal and craziest of all of the technocrats. And so Jared Kushner, well, just in case you didn't tune in this weekend for that 30 minutes, let me just play you this clip of Jared Kushner so you can all see what I am talking about. And then finally, I think that from uh, you know the last year, the one thing I've tried to put a priority on since I left the White House was you know getting some exercise in. I think that there's a, a good probability that my generation is hopefully with the advances in science either you know the the, the first generation to live forever or the last generation that's going to die. And so uh, we need to keep ourselves in, in pretty good shape. And I apologize for the video audience there for some reason that uh, video is turned. <laughs> sideways but that's okay you heard jared kushner right there talking about being part of the last generation to die or the first generation to live forever and he's speaking exactly in line with ray kurzweil and elon musk and all of these technocratic madmen that we have covered here on the dustin gold standard and as you may have remembered the last Two episodes before that, we have been focusing on a gentleman named Lars Butler. And if you haven't tuned in before, that's Butler with two T's, L-A-R-S-B-U-T-T-L-E-R. Feel free to look him up online. 
Lars Butler is the founder of the AI Foundation, the Artificial Intelligence Foundation. And Butler, I consider to be quite a dangerous gentleman. In the first two episodes, I introduced you to AI Foundation, and then we reviewed a video from Bloomberg going back 10 years ago where Lars Butler was being interviewed for his involvement in the video game world, particularly with a company called Tryon. And so inside of the company Tryon, Lars was at the beginning stages of developing what we would call a second life or an immersive video game where you literally have a entire second persona of yourself at that time your avatar and so you would develop a character around yourself and you'd live vicariously through a video game and through that interview we were able to see butler talking about people being able to buy things inside of the video game at that time using real u.s dollars real cash and then going into the game and buying digital items, digital objects like weapons and armor and such. And so I taught you all about Minecraft and Roblox, which your kids or grandkids probably play. And I told you that there were people that were hooked on this type of second life world and that this was the foundation for what would later become the metaverse which we're hearing a lot about now i explained to you how nfts work in simple terms but how nfts non-fungible tokens work uh inside of these games and so butler was sort of a revolutionary in the beginning phases of what would later become the metaverse and which we will see unfold over the next few years. Although, as I was driving in my car yesterday morning, I had to pick up some last-minute stuff with my wife because I was going to my neighbor's barbecue. And then after that, we had already invited a few friends over our house for a barbecue. So we were out picking up some additional items. And I started thinking to myself, we are already living in the metaverse we are already living within a digital world in which we ourselves have a digital twin and by that i mean everything we really do in life where we have to interact with each other short of going to a local farm and paying cash or what i saw a lot of in poland which was people bartering um, goods bartering products, bartering eggs and meat and things that they produced and or manufactured on their own property in which they would trade with someone else for something that they produced or manufactured or paying for that in cash. We really already have a digital twin of ourselves. When you're going on to your phone, you are interacting with the internet, whether you're actually browsing the web through Google or DuckDuckGo or whatever it is that you use. It doesn't really matter. They're all running off of the same servers and same engines. But so when you're interacting with your phone, when you're interacting with your Amazon Ring cameras, your Google Nest, when you're interacting with your car, any car built in the last 15 years, 
when you're using your Amazon Prime, when you're on Netflix, when you're on television, all of these things are leaving a digital footprint which is associated with your digital twin. When you go in the grocery store and you use your debit card or your credit card or your Apple Pay or whatever other means of digital currency you utilize to pay for your groceries or your clothes or your beer or whatever it is, you are leaving a digital footprint which is assigned and attached to your digital twin. When you're logging into Twitter, into Facebook, into YouTube, into any website in which you have a subscription or you visit, you are leaving a digital footprint which is attached to your digital twin. Now, across these various websites, within a store where you may use a rewards card or at the gas station where you have a rewards card or your credit card where you get miles to fly, you are being incentivized. You are being gamified in order to add data to your digital twin by way of your digital footprint. And so, in a sense, we are already living in the matrix. We are already operating within the metaverse. It just isn't completely centralized yet, or at least centralized in the sense that they've told you that it's centralized. See, everything on the internet is really connected. Therefore, we are already centralized. We just don't realize it. If you download an app, I happen to have an iPhone, so out of the Apple store, it will ask you whether or not you would like to grant permission to that app developer to collect certain data on you, or whether or not you're going to allow them to track you across other applications. And that is because you are leaving this digital footprint that is assigned and attached to your digital twin. When the full Web 3, the full Web 3, the third iteration of, uh, of the Internet comes out, you will be assigned the equivalent of a social security number, which will allow you to access the gateway, the Internet, which then will allow you to access everything else, applications, software, websites, streaming services, uh, Amazon, and such. And you will have effectively your actual digital twin, which will be yourself that lives inside of the matrix. And that will be the beginning of the eventual creation of your mind twin, your digital twin, that will live inside of the cyber world. And so we're already there. They just haven't pushed it far enough yet where they're connecting your digital driver's license, which already is being rolled out in Florida, in Texas, and other places. They haven't assigned that yet and attached it to your social security number, attached it to your passport, and then attached it to all of your debit and credit cards, attached it to your Venmo, your PayPal, your Google Wallet, your Apple Pay, attached it to your Coinbase account, your other crypto wallets. They haven't attached it yet to your login and password to Twitter and Facebook and Snapchat and TikTok and YouTube and Google and everything else but that is what is coming and they will roll that out as they always do under the guise of protecting your identity and protecting you against 
identity theft. You can already see the beginning phases of this occurring. They are in the middle of the problem, reaction, solution situation, the setup, the Hegelian dialect in which they utilize over and over again. So that is coming. And as I said, as, as I was at the store and putting in uh, my wife's phone number to get some discounts at the store, and I figure they're tracking me anyway at this point. That's, that's my mentality. They're tracking me anyway. I'm going to save $5, $10, on the uh, on the discounts because – Unless you're completely paying with cash, unless you're wearing a mask covering your face when you go into the store so the cameras aren't scanning you. And folks, if you haven't heard of this, it's actually come back up in some new research that Maria Albanese and I are doing some stuff she talked about on the Thomas Paine podcast a couple of Fridays ago. Uh, Clearview AI, which is a company that was started in part... Um, well, well, we'll get into that later, but Clearview AI does facial scans of pretty much everyone, everywhere, collects data from all of the applications like Facebook and Twitter, and they were marketing it to police departments, state police, federal police, and the what it did is it allowed them to basically take a picture of your face and then that would pull up all of your social media contacts. It would pull up all of your profiles on the internet. And so your face is already attached to your digital footprint. Again, they just haven't announced it yet. So when you go in the grocery store and everywhere you walk now, there's an Amazon ring camera, every other house, you're being scanned and you're being processed and you're having algorithms run against your identity constantly. So we are already in sort of this augmented reality matrix in which there are so many devices connected into the internet of things and the internet of all things. And who knows, some humans may already be connected to the internet of bodies. They definitely are if they're wearing smartwatches, Fitbits, any of these wearables that are tracking your heart rate, tracking your blood pressure, whatever. You are already connected up to the Internet of Bodies. Other people, and you know who I'm referring to, may as well uh, be connected. We just don't know that for certain yet. And so we are in this matrix. And... What we're going to do in this show now is we're going to continue with Lars Butler of the AI Foundation, because now I am going to show you a little bit more on his background, right? So we went over Tryon Worlds, his video game background, uh, the fact that he was a leading force in this metaverse 10 years ago. Now he's the head of the metaverse at AI Foundation. I already teased you a little bit with his connections to NSA uh, former head Keith Alexander and his connections into um, IP3 International, which is all connected into the Trump administration and General Michael Flynn. And so I'm going to show you a little bit more into his bio, and then we're going to get into some video of Lars Butler explaining the Mind Twin technology. And then we're going to look at the celebrities who have already lined up to allow themselves to be mind twinned. And it is mind blowing, folks. The mind twins are mind blowing because during my research, 
over the last 24 hours, I found so many, so many CEOs and uh, big influencers who have already said and stated publicly that they are transhumanists and they look forward to Ray Kurzweil's dream of immortality. So when I get back, we will tackle Lars Butler and his gang of merry little t- <laughs> and his gang of merry little nine twins. I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and I'll be right back right here on Pain.tv. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Dustin Gold right here on the Dustin Gold Standard. How are all my little peasants doing? My little plebeians. Are you looking forward to uploading your mind to the AI hive mind neocortex? I know I'm not, that's for sure. All right, folks, let's just jump right into this because I don't want uh, this episode to run too long. And this is a lot of information we have to take in. So right now up on the screen for the audio only audience, I am showing Lars Butler's personal website, Lars Butler with two T's dot co dot co. And so if you remember, we went through Lars uh, biography before I've used a few different sources because his biography is different on LinkedIn than it is on AI Foundation, than it is on IP3. Uh, he's got a lot of bios from events he spoke at. So I found this one, which is on like an old style website, which is his personal website. And I just want to catch you up. So this is the man who is responsible for developing this mind twin uh, technology. And as I explained to you before, there was sort of this process or this software called MindQuest, which was the process in which you were kind of uploading your consciousness to the mind twin cloud. And so you say, well, he came out of video games and now he's dabbling in uh, deep fake videos, dabbling in deep fake audio, dabbling in this artificial intelligence. But he is so much more than that. This is not just some video game nerd. It says right here, Lars Butler is the founding partner of Madison Sandhill, a revolutionary technology investment firm funding great breakout companies from seed round to creation of new global markets and platforms of unprecedented size. Wow, it sounds like he's competing with InQtel, the CIA's hedge fund. Now, if you remember, we dug deep into InQtel over the last couple of episodes as well. And I wanted to do that because in the end, you're going to see it's going to be a running theme. There's generally a few different entities behind all of these companies that we find in the tech sector, and that would be InQtel, which we found out, I showed you, uh, was getting money from the CIA, the FBI, the NSA, and the Department of Defense, as well as black budget money. And so 
InQtel pops up a lot as being invested in and partners with these tech companies. As we showed you, there's over 300 companies listed on InQtel's website, which are in their current portfolio. And then we found you articles where they were talking about how InQtel has another 100 or so companies they're partnered with that are not publicized because the owners of those companies don't want people to know that they're partnered with intelligence. So who really knows how many companies are out there? And then the other person who keeps popping up is Peter Thiel uh, of and his group Founders Fund, which is actually one of the original investors behind Clearview AI, which I mentioned before. Let's continue with our friend uh, Lars Butler here. So it says, Dr. Butler, and by the way, I did some research. Very difficult to find a background bio on Lars Butler. If anyone has one, you know, please send it to me at gold at pain.tv so I can vet it and then I will use it in a show. Um, It says, Dr. Butler is also chairman of the executive committee of Ben's National Security and uh, Cyber and Technology Council and advisor to IronNet Cybersecurity, founded by General Keith Alexander, former head of the NSA and U.S. Cyber command so you say well this guy was in video games early stages of the metaverse now he has ai foundation and he's focused on the mind twinning software which allows one to upload their consciousness to the cloud well wow he's also involved with this executive committee of ben's national cyber and technology council well gee what is that well let's take a look right here at this pdf that I found at Ben's, B-E-N-S, Ben's.org. This was a 2015 leadership report, Business Executives for National Security. And so um, you flip through here. It's kind of like a PowerPoint, really nicely designed, really professional. 2015 Ben's Leadership Report. It's a letter from the president and CEO, right? And they talk about national security is no longer the sole responsibility of the federal government, but rather the responsibility of all citizens. This is General Norton A. Schwartz, U.S. Air Force retired, president and CEO of Ben's. And then you go down this list and we have chairman Bruce E. Mosler, uh, Cushman and Wakefield Inc. We've got founding chairman Stanley A. Weiss, vice chairman. Uh, and you've got all these different people that sit on this council from different companies. You have people in here from military, uh, military contractors. I don't know, even the president and CEO of 7-Eleven is here. Maybe they talk about Slurpees or something at this conference. But you've got uh, people from Trident Capital, Rourke Capital Group. You've got all these different people. William Flynn, president and CEO of Atlas Air Worldwide Holdings. And so you've got all these military guys, all these contractors. I'm not going to go through all of these for you. We could probably do a whole show on this alone, but this this kind of stuff, it's, it's really not worth it. Um, and then so you go through here at the advisory council, and then it's got pictures of generals sitting at the table with guys in business suits. Um, 
then you've got a letter in here from founding member Stanley Weiss. And so as you go down, then it's got Ben Cyber and Tech Council. And here's the part with Butler, formally established in October 2014, the Ben Cyber and Tech Council spearheads and coordinates Ben's work across cybersecurity and technology issues. Throughout 2015, the council served as the impetus for Ben's engagements related to these issues. They included internet governance, an engagement with U.S. European Command on cybersecurity and public-private partnerships in the Republic of Moldova. A visit to Microsoft's Digital Crimes Unit and Ben's input a national-level research and development plan on cybersecurity. Right, so what did I just say? I just pointed out there, first off, this is 2015, and they were talking about what? The public-private partnerships that Donald Trump turned into a sort of a household brand. He brought it into the American lexicon, uh, lexicon, the public-private partnerships that we were supposed to love so much. So in 2015, these guys are talking about the public-private partnership, which is government in bed with the corporations ready to screw you over. As I brought up before, when the government doesn't want to get its hands dirty or uh, it, it can't, but it's it's not about constitution and constitutional issues because the government doesn't care about that. Almost everything involved with government today that we are interfacing with is unconstitutional. So it has nothing to do with like, well, the government has to use the private sector to do the things that it constitutionally can't do. It's the things it doesn't really want to do, and then it uses its puppets to do it. So if they want to put sneeze guards up in all the grocery stores, the government is not going to march in with military guys to put up sneeze guards. They are just going to use their private private sector partners to put up the sneeze guards and enforce COVID regulations, let's say during COVID, right? And so that's how the high school theater COVID land, the production was rolled out across the country because all of the private sector partners were already on board with the government through things like the Ben Cyber and Tech Council, through things like World Economic Forum, through the Chamber of Commerce and others. They are just extensions of the government itself. The other thing they mentioned is a visit to Microsoft's digital crimes unit. You see, Bill Gates and Microsoft also come up everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. And so it says the council is led by Silicon Valley uh, stalwart Dr. Lars Butler, managing director of Madison Sandhill Capital. And so there you go. Lars Butler is the managing director of Madison Sandhill Capital at the time, and he leads the Ben Cyber and Tech Council. So this guy, Lars Butler, is not just some video game geek, not some tech nerd that just programmed a video game that got popular. He is tied in to high-level cybersecurity organizations in which he sits on the board and he oversees councils that have high-level ex-military and intelligence on them. And that's why, as I jump back to his bio, where it says he's the uh, chairman of the executive committee of Ben's, 
and advisor to IronNet Cybersecurity, founded by General Keith Alexander, former head of the NSA and the U.S. Cyber Command. I don't want to get in to IronNet Cybersecurity right now because I will go down that rabbit hole. But Lars Butler is partnered with Keith Alexander, former head of the NSA, on several projects, including with IP3 International, which is involved with... Uh, was, which was part of the Trump White House, which is this program in which we were going to sell nuclear reactors to Saudi Arabia and then take the waste material and ship it off to Russia. And that came up during the Trump raid again, saying that, uh, implying that there was some information found in the safes of Donald Trump that connected to this IP3 scandal. And as I mentioned to you before, the late Congressman Elijah Cummings, I'm no fan of his, ran a congressional committee in which they investigated it. And out of that, there was a 50-some-odd-page report, which I reviewed with Maria Albanese of the Thomas Paine podcast uh, many years ago. And that's when we realized how dirty General Michael Flynn was. And so in this bio here on Lars Butler's website, we will just continue briefly. Let me, let me just see if we can flip forward for a second. Let me just show you this IP3 International uh, website. So on here you have Dr. Lars Butler is the director of IP3 International. Still on there. So regardless of the Elijah Cummings investigation, a little bit of heat that this, this little group IP3 took a few years ago in the press, and now, uh, since it came back up under the Trump raid, uh, none of these people have taken their names off of the website. So there's obviously no shame, no worry. But you notice how the media doesn't really blow up the IP3 story, although they used it to attack Trump, but they never go on the IP3International.com website and then tie that back to Trump to really turn it into a major story. Someone is trying to hide something, but that is not the point of this show today. I just want to show you these high-level connections that Lars Butler has so you don't think he's just some video game pipsqueak. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard. I'll be right back right here on Payne.tv. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. 